0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp and on the other line, Ben Golver. What's up, man?
1: Not too much, Andrew. You know me, I love the analytics, I love the end game analysis, the second guessing, the Monday morning quarterbacking. I live for that stuff. You know, quick story time years ago, when Terry Stotts first got the job in Portland, he he called a last-second play for Nicholas Batoub, who did not execute it properly, took a terrible shot. They lost. I asked him about it afterwards. The next game, they run a, a different play uh you know they execute it wrong again they lose again I have to ask about him again and he just asked me real frankly you know Stotts wasn't mad he's just like are you gonna ask about the end of games after every single game (laughs) like just like (laughs) basically get off my back and I was sitting there and I didn't really know how to respond but the honest answer was yes
0: yeah well in fairness to you that's not like a radical stance from a basketball reporter to ask about end of game sets
1: to be honest, I think he was a little bit angry that I, I basically said he threw Batum under the bus for the first one, and he was just trying to cut it off before I was trying to go down that uh, <laughs> go down that angle again. But anyway, I bring this up because of the Warriors infamous endgame scenario on Monday night. And I also mentioned the analytics because you know how these new age coaches are, Andrew. They're always trying to innovate, right? They're always yeah. trying to find that little edge. And one of the ways these coaches have done it it's in those final possessions, it's, well, let's really weigh the cost benefit, right? If we just push the ball up the court... What do they always say, Andrew? You won't have to play against a set defense. You'll have this great scoring opportunity. Why call timeout and let the defense get set and let their matchups get set, right? And so you know there's a bunch of these analytic guys. They've got the spreadsheets, right? And it's like cost-benefit analysis. Okay, you know, turnovers are possible, but yes, you're going to get a higher percentage shot. If your stars are uh, open, it's more likely they're going to get fouled rather than having it in this setup situation and so on and so forth. I just want to know if the Warriors analytic guys and Steve Kerr have updated the spreadsheet, (laughs) Andrew, because you tell me, okay, the benefit of not calling timeout by Steve Kerr with six seconds left was that they didn't have to go against uh, the set defense from the Clippers, right? Yep. The cost was a Draymond Green turnover, a Draymond Green versus a Kevin Durant (laughs) argument on the bench, uh, A loss in overtime, no real good shot for Kevin Durant to try to win the game, even though Steph Curry's out. He's obviously their number one option. A post-game argument in the locker room in which Kevin Durant storms out. Uh, A fine and a suspension for Draymond Green that winds up costing him $120,000. A very morbid press conference from Kevin Durant where he just wants to be anywhere but there. Two days of headlines, a non-apology from Draymond Green, uh, shots fired by Kevin Durant's brother on Twitter, 72 hours of speculation about whether Kevin Durant might be leaving or whether maybe he would try to force Draymond Green out of Golden State if he was going to stay, and the talk of a dynasty crumbling and guys like you just being completely giddy to analyze every angle of this drama because, oh, you cannot wait for the Golden State Warriors to, to crumble. Let me ask you, Andrew, do you think it was worth trying to have the play against an unset defense? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you think maybe you should have called timeout?
0: Well, I don't know, man. I I honestly, let's come back to that question. But uh, that was a great summation from you of the last, I guess, 96 hours at this point. The last podcast we did we signed off with me wishing you well on your trip to Staples Center. And you were like, yeah, it's my first time seeing the Warriors this year. And and literally, every time we've talked about Golden State this season, it's been both you and I kind of gushing about how well they're playing and how well it's all fitting and it's basketball no, nirvana. Andrew, and I, I, wrote, I wrote 2,500
1: words saying they should try to get Steph 82 points in a game. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and
0: flash forward to Thursday night when we're recording this the i don't know i don't know what the final score was but i don't think the warriors broke 75 against the rockets they definitely lost by 30 in Houston tonight and um yeah there's a lot to work through right now uh, i don't know whether we're going to get to other topics because both you and i have been busy for most of the week we haven't talked about this very much and i just need to talk this through with somebody so i'm I'm ready to jump off. Uh, I guess we should start with the the scene Monday night. I mean, beyond the basics, what do you remember about that Clippers game?
1: Well, you know, a couple things. First of all, I've been in a lot of weird locker rooms. Okay, I mean, I've seen guys' careers end. I've seen seasons end. I've seen, you know, losses of the playoffs. I've seen all sorts of weird stuff. It wasn't that weird in the locker room, okay? On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say it was like a 3 or a 4. Obviously, KD wasn't there. We didn't realize at that moment how upset he was, and there was a little bit of awkwardness and weirdness in the locker room, but Draymond was still there. He was talking to reporters, kind of individual. He didn't really do a group scrum, Uh, and then the other guys were, you know, answering questions about Draymond versus KD, but basically playing it down, right? I was disappointed, though, in terms of how Golden State handles things. And they usually do a very good job of handling things. So even put aside Kerr not taking the timeout. Here Here were my beefs, okay? Uh-huh. Um, first of all, Durant was pissed at the officials all game long, Andrew. And sometimes you have bad days on this podcast. Sometimes <laughs> I have bad days on this podcast. I think you're actually a much more innate uh, teammate in terms of understanding when I just don't have the juice and you don't push me over the edge. I think, unfortunately, sometimes if I sense weakness or smell blood, I go for the kill. And I think, (laughs) I think Draymond needed to take a page out of your book, right? He needed to say, look, KD has been, you know, he basically fouled out, but he thought four of the six fouls were BS. He was going at Mark Davis all night long. He was just in a chippy mood. If there was ever a moment to just like take Kevin Durant's criticism in the huddle and just let it slide off your back, to just take the high road, this was the moment to do it. And I realized, look, you know, Katie, he's mad at the officials a lot. I get it. But it was pronounced during this game. It was obvious from media row. And it did not surprise me at all that he immediately projected all that anger straight onto Draymond when he didn't get to have, um, you know, the final shot.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's a good place to start because I think. You mentioned the Kerr timeout, and maybe I'm reading too much into this and and sort of projecting meaning that isn't totally there, but I will say that that final possession, including Kerr, letting them figure it out themselves, is all pretty poignant because, number one, that's been Steve Kerr's philosophy throughout his time in Golden State, is he kind of empowers these players – to set the culture themselves and take ownership of the team. And it's worked way more often than it hasn't. And so in that respect, this was sort of another case of the Golden State philosophy. And then additionally, you know, Sam Esfandiari from from the Light Years crew pointed this out. Um, But like the whole sort of schism in Golden State was on display with that final possession against the Clippers. And it's crazy that like the the, the goddamn ending against the Los Angeles Clippers is going to be under the magnifying glass for at least the next 2 or 3 months. But I mean Kevin Durant is not wrong for looking at Draymond and saying, Give me the ball. I'm going to go up and win this game because he's the second best player on earth, second or third, or maybe first, depending on how you're counting. But, like, yeah,
1: I mean, Andrew, you might remember a couple times in the finals where he took the ball, exactly walked into a finals clinching three pointer right in LeBron's face in back to back years. Of course, he's right to demand the ball there. There's no doubt he should have the ball. And imagine if he was LeBron. Do you think Brandon Ingram's driving the ball up the court willy-nilly Draymond style? No. He's handing the ball to LeBron and letting him shoot it.
0: Flip side, however, Draymond's not wrong for saying, this is how we do things. Run the court, fill a lane, I'll find you. Draymond was not driving up the court with the intent of taking the last shot. And, And the Warriors have been the most successful team the NBA has seen in 20 years doing it Draymond's way and doing it like the Golden State way. And look,
1: I I hear what you're saying, but I also, and I defend Draymond nine times out of 10. Andrew, did he have a plan on that play though? Did he really? No,
0: but he, but Durant really wasn't an option on the wing and, and the whole play was kind of thrown off. And look, Draymond's, here's the thing with that final play, Draymond was not perfect, but in the abstract, I totally understand where he was coming from and you can also look at the play before that, where KD did come down and take a hero ball pull up that was a, a brick. And like I don't blame Dre for trying to
1: try something different. He just didn't really have a plan in that specific play. I agree with you in principle, he should push it. Yes, I agree with that. But he didn't have a plan in that specific t- uh, situation. And there was plenty of time for KD to walk up and stroll in two or three. And here's just to go back to the there curve wasn't thing real that quick. Much time was there it? was like there was six or seven seconds. There was plenty of time for him to do it. He he was very aware of time score situation, and that's why he was so, so upset because he realized like it didn't have to be this breakneck thing that you know they they lost like four seconds because Draymond fell down, and balls flying right. all over the court, and everything else. He didn't have a plan. And I understand Draymond wanting to say, hey, look, my way has been proven to be the right way for years. Like, just basically get off my back." Well, it's
0: the culture. It's the culture. It's basically like the Spurs and LeBron. If LeBron were on the Spurs, there are definitely people in San Antonio. And we're we're talking the Spurs four years ago before they became team mid-range and the most depressing team in the league. But like, there are definitely people who would have said, this is how we do it here, fall
1: in line. I get that, Andrew. But when push came to shove in the finals in back-to-back years, Draymond's job was to hug Kevin after he hit the shot. Okay, Draymond's right. job was not to push the ball up the court on the final possession. It was to just be a cheerleader, to you know goof around, to you know mock the Cavs bench after Kevin hit the shot. That's yes. In that situation, it's his. It should be his kind of birthright as a player who is either the best or the second best, or in your case, you love to call him probably the third best player in the league, right? He gets to have the ball in that situation. Now, Kerr... He definitely he, feels he, that way. I, I think there
0: are warriors who would be reasonable and disagreeing. That's my only point.
1: If there's a better play, easily available, yes. If the likely outcome is Draymond falling on the ground because he didn't know what he was doing, then I, I understand his frustration. And I think, like... Even if Draymond's right on principle, if Kevin's mad about it and Draymond just committed a turnover with the game on the line, you say my bad in the huddle, you own it, right? That's a great point. But here, I want to go back to the Kerr thing real quick because um, once it became clear that they were upset about how it had played out and there was this very clear philosophical shift, which you've done an excellent job of like kind of painting, Mm -hmm. it is now the coach's responsibility to diffuse that to take over all of the blame and to get the players to chill out and to come back on the same page. And I say that he should have done that in the huddle and he should have done it post game when he was asked about it. He's, you know, he kind of made a flip and comment did of, Oh yeah, that was one. Maybe you want to have back. And he explained his general rationale about letting the players play like yep. two minutes before that they had an ATO. Andrew, they drew it up in two seconds. Clay Thompson was red hot the whole fourth quarter. I promise you doc rivers was in the huddle saying, do not let clay get open. He will hit a shot 2 seconds after the inbound the ball. Guess who's wide freaking open hitting a shot? Clay Thompson, okay? They have the ability to to draw up a play from the sideline. That will get an open shot in that amount of time, no doubt about it. And I think even if Kerr was on the same philosophical side as Draymond, there was a higher calling for him in that moment and it was to play peacemaker, to take all the blame, to go to the media and say I blew this game. If he does that, KD sees that, Draymond sees that, and maybe everything else that spiraled afterwards doesn't stay as personal as it was, and that's why I was a little bit frustrated with Draymond for not reading KD. Um, you know, obviously KD could have handled the whole thing better than he did. There's no doubt about it. But I was definitely frustrated with how Kerr handled the responsibility factor because he put it back on the players. And bottom line, <laughs> Dray and KD, cooler heads are not prevailing. <laughs> we can we can all agree <laughs> on that, right?
0: Yeah, we can. And and again, I think all of this is just a function of a culture that has made Golden State great. I wouldn't focus on Kerr here. I, I think it's bigger than that. Um, but the let's move to everything that happened afterward. And by the way, shout out to our listeners. Because as soon as this Warriors news broke, we got like 50 different emails about KD, about Draymond. I'll read two here. Andrew said... With the recent Warriors controversy, should the Warriors just trade Kevin Durant to use the parlance of our times, wouldn't it be the ultimate flex for Golden State to make that move? What about KD to Washington for Beal and Ubre, which is incredible. Yikes. I mean, um <laughs> yeah, yikes is probably the proper reaction there.
1: Uh, and then Ian, like 15 Wait, minutes later. slow down, later, slow down, slow down. The ultimate flex. You know what that's really called, Andrew? You played yourself. That's what
0: that's <laughs> called. <laughs> there you go. Ben Gulliver is down with the kids. Um, Ian says, is not now the time to move Draymond? Not to sound reactionary, but wouldn't it save them a lot of time, drama, and money this offseason? Can't they move him right now for great value and write it off as Draymond being a jerk rather than the warriors penny-pinching one of their stars. This move gives them cover to do what they would want to do anyways.
1: Andrew, you're reading these emails like an hour after this little tiff, right? I mean, this sounds like North Korea propaganda. Not to sound reactionary, (laughs) but we're going to nuke the entire Korean Peninsula. (laughs) That's what this sounds like. Well,
0: it's just a reflection of how crazy this week got at various points uh, because I think everything is on the table right now. And granted, neither of those guys are getting traded during the season. But to give any listeners who were not on Twitter for like the past 96 hours an idea of how how things played out in the locker room, here is an excerpt from Marcus Thompson's piece after the Clippers locker room incident. Um, and he says, Draymond Green took exception to how Durant addressed him. The exact dialogue couldn't be recounted as it was said, but it began with Green immediately firing back, who the fuck you talking to? According to multiple sources, Green then went on to make it clear that he's been making plays for years. He reminded Durant The Warriors were winning before Durant showed up, so he wouldn't stand for Durant talking to him as if he were a scrub. Green accused Durant of making the whole season about him, even though he was going to leave after this season. Green let out his frustrations about how Durant has handled free agency, keeping his options open and keeping the story alive, consuming the Warriors and their season with talk of what KD will do next. And then... um, I also wanted to highlight one sentence from my Warriors piece on all this where I said, according to one report, Green repeatedly called Kevin Durant a bitch in a display that prompted one Warrior to say, with what was said, there is already no way Durant is coming back. And I only read that because when I was actually writing it, I had to do a double take and laugh at how amazing all of this is just because like, If I read that sentence to my wife to explain the biggest story of my work life this week, she would just be so disgusted at the things we care about. But uh, I do find all of this pretty fascinating. So what's your take on, on what went down in the locker room?
1: Yeah. Wait till you tell Alice how much time we spent about talking about Legos. I mean, she's going to be disgusted.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: I mean, there's a lot of things that Alice could be disgusted about. But, she really
0: uh, did. She came back at me when I was shopping for Legos last Christmas. She was like, what is going on? And this is not a side of you I've ever seen before. So, yes.
1: So good. Yeah. Um, do you have those red lines that people can't cross? Like for me, if somebody questions my work ethic, I'm ready to take it from zero to hundred, right? Yeah, like it, th- that's the thing for me. This and so, is why
0: you're the Jimmy Butler of the podcast game. Well,
1: I was going to say this is why I relate directly to Kevin Durant because, look, y- you know, you you curse a lot. I only it doesn't bother me, but I try to protect the listeners. But if you were cursing me out, and I think you've cursed me out on this podcast many times, mm-hmm. I've never been mad at that right internally i'm screaming curse words back at you but i'm trying to protect the middle schoolers that listen so i don't go back at you but i never would be upset but you there are things you could say that i would go into a funk for 72 hours about and i would definitely we would need to like air it out with the help of steve kerr and bob myers right (laughs) and that's where katie's at if you're going to question his commitment to the team after he's just won two finals mvp after he just sat up on the uh, the championship band parade and took the stupid jokes from the management and from the the uh you know the commentator, you know, kind of making fun of him, you know, what contract can he get and all of that. After he put up with all the character assassinations over the last two years, calling him a mistake and all of this stuff. You're gonna question him for his commitment to the team and basically his commitment to his craft. That is a trigger point, no question about it. And I don't blame him for flipping out about that. And to me, that is too far. Uh, we know Katie loves to swear like a sailor. You know, we've heard yeah. it in you know, various places. He loves to talk trash. He loves to go back and forth with people. None of that stuff would really bother him. But I do think Draymond went to a place that he shouldn't have gone to at that time and in that manner. Now, but again, on principle, I do kind of see where Draymond's coming from because this is a ship that's been running pretty smoothly for a long time since before Kevin Durant got there. If there's choppiness right now, it's coming from Kevin. It's not coming from Steph. and it's not right. coming from Clay. Uh, you know, Draymond pretty much is who he is. Everybody knows how to deal with him in Golden State. It's coming from the questions around Kevin Durant. And by the way, during that game on Monday against the Clippers, Bob Myers was attached at the hip to Rich Kleiman. If Rich walked down the court, you know, the 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 baseline, Bob Myers is walking with him. If yeah. Rich walks over and says hi to this guy, Bob Myers is going with him, right? Yeah, they're clearly playing defense on Kevin Durant and free. Agency. I was going to
0: say, it's not a coincidence, uh, or well, maybe it is a coincidence, but it's it's certainly interesting that all of this happened at a Clippers game. And like, it's the Clippers and the Knicks, and I guess you could throw in the Lakers too. We'll get to that later in the podcast. But I mean, the yeah, Clippers no. are a threat. So I don't blame Bob Myers for for following uh, Kleiman wherever they went. Yeah, no,
1: no question. But no, hold on. There could be a fan fiction moment here where Jerry West is like consoling KD in like the parking garage. <laughs> and he's like, come on, Kevin, you don't deserve this. You know you're Whoa. better than this. Come Did on now, was- just come to LA. You be the man in LA. You get that last shot. Trust me, Shea Gilgis Alexander is giving you that rock <laughs> and you can take the game winner with the the whole stadium watching.
0: Yes, that's true. Shea is definitely not going to be stealing KD's shine next year if he goes to the Clippers. Um, But question, and actually... Just a one general point here. Blanket apology to Elizabeth or any other listeners who are not into hearing cursing on this episode. Most of these are going to be direct quotes from Draymond, so blame him. But uh, did you think, Dray, what, what, what was your take on the suspension? Uh,
1: because he went someplace I thought was inappropriate, especially with poor timing, I thought it was okay for them to suspend him. That's a lot of money to lose. I would understand why he was upset. I would understand why he would text Steve Kerr and be like, yo, you're picking this fine up <laughs> because you should <laughs> you should have called timeout. But I get where he's coming from. But I actually wanted to flip this around and ask you a question about Draymond. Okay. Because as we saw in Minnesota, there is such a thing as too much transparency. When Rachel Nichols is reporting live from inside Jimmy Butler's head, that's a problem. That will blow your whole team up, right? But yeah. I also think that there is... Absolutely a problem with too little transparency. In other words, Katie's trying to like mumble around all the free agency questions. Everybody else is walking on eggshells. We've had these reports for months. Oh, there's a weird vibe around the Warriors. Is Draymond maybe wrong in his method and deserving to be fine, which is is how I would characterize it but sort of right on the principle in that he's shedding some light on the situation and bringing it to the surface. Like, do you think more transparency was needed here? And that even though this is an awkward way of going about doing it, it actually was the right move?
0: Yeah, you know, and I think you can see... I think you're onto something, and the truth there is borne out by how many leaks there were. Like, with the Spurs, God only knows what kind of crazy shit went down in San Antonio that we just never found out about. But this happened with Golden State, and as soon as it all went down and the suspension went public, it felt like there was a new report every hour quoting different Warriors personnel, giving their version of events, and taking different sides. And there were certain guys that seemed to have Draymond's back. There were others that said... What Draymond said crossed a line and it's even worse than what was reported. And then, you know, Marcus Thompson's report dovetailed with what you said, where a lot of people disagreed with the way Draymond delivered the message, but agreed with his broader points. And um, I think the whole conversation speaks to how much angst there was in Golden State after not just the last couple weeks, but really like the past 12 months where they've been having to recruit. Durant to stay and I don't blame someone like Draymond for feeling like that is kind of bullshit you know I I, yeah, I, I mean
1: he's not Tristan Thompson right <laughs> like, exa- like <laughs> let's say KD leaves and Draymond opens training camp by saying look the West still runs through us. You know, we've been here for four years. That he's would not be gonna pretty be pretty
0: reasonable, right?
1: Yeah, he's not gonna be mocked mercilessly for two straight months like Tristan Thompson was what he said what he said, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean look, he helped build the most successful team we've seen since the Lakers, certainly, and maybe since the nineties Bulls. And now every year the coaches in front office are acting like they're the Pelicans and KD is Anthony Davis and they have to kind of like soft pedal criticism and be very careful with with what they say to him and you know make sure he gets his iso possessions i don't blame some of the incumbent warriors for being like all right this is whack like let's figure this out and yet they've all had to kind of give these diplomatic answers and so yeah i do think that there was just some pent-up frustration and then the floodgates open
1: yeah I mean the LeBron comparisons and contrasts here are pretty interesting right because no one ever challenged LeBron like Draymond just uh challenged KD right yeah everyone was completely willing to walk on eggshells for LeBron for multiple seasons in a row no questions asked it seems like it's becoming more and more clear Golden State isn't necessarily willing to do that at least not everybody um and (laughs) LeBron still winds up, you know, f- you know, picking a a new home multiple times, even though the whole thing has been built around him. Where KD can now look at his career and ask himself: At the height of his powers, has there ever really been a team completely built around him since he's matured as a player? I mean, he was fighting with Westbrook over, you know, control of the offense for multiple years. That might be a little bit of a dramatic characterization, but there was, you know, no, my turn, it, my was. turn, That's your part turn of the stuff. the reason he left, yeah, and. Even though he has played the best in the biggest moments for this Warriors team, especially in the finals, he still hasn't gotten that just sort of like uh, you know unvarnished credit that maybe he was expecting and the love of the fan base that he was probably hoping and, and kind of craving, right? So the I guess the way I look at it is I still think the best legacy play for him is to swallow this situation, put it behind him, and just start... You know, continue stacking championships and finals MVPs in Golden State. Run this thing out. Uh, get yourself to five or six rings, and then now all of a sudden you're in the top five all time conversation, right? Yeah. But compared to where I was even in July, the writing—I'm believing the writing on the wall more and more. You know, I'm yeah. I'm of the opinion that there is going to be situations whether it's the Lakers. The Clippers, God forbid, the New York Knicks, where they're going to be able to appeal to some of these little missing links of of the overall package to Kevin, right? Yeah. Uh, are you really the man? Are you being treated like the man? Are you being treated like LeBron? Uh, you know, who well, who so is challenging you in public? Thing,
0: I wanna drill down on something you said earlier because I, I believe you said no one would ever talk to LeBron this way but they talked to Durant this way and that was not acceptable. And I think there's a version of that of like KD's reality where that makes sense, but I also think Durant has to recognize that he's not in he's not in the same situation as LeBron. And look, if LeBron had joined the 73 win Warriors and this was LeBron out there instead of KD and LeBron was intent on doing things his way, Instead of doing it within the Golden State culture, there's not a doubt in my mind that Draymond would walk up to him and tell him to fall in line and get his shit together, and he would be well within his rights to deliver that message.
1: He'd also be traded within 72 hours. I mean, that's how Lebron works. I mean, it's it's a different different vibe there. I hear what you're saying about KD sort of towing the line or like knowing his role, so to speak. You know, not in like a demeaning way, but like understanding that the overall culture. I would just say that he held his tongue a lot last year. I mean, during the playoffs he was taking a lot of crap, especially in the Western Conference finals. He was just boring as could possibly be during all of his postgame press so, conference, not trying to fan the flames. And I just wonder if he's sick of that. Like he's like, I tried to know my role, I tried to defer to Steph, like I tried to, you know, do this, that and the other thing. I tried to, you know, not make any headlines with statements. Draymond's coming at me now. I don't feel like I can really say anything publicly because, you know, I'm trying to show respect to everybody, but I'm just sick of it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, he took a lot of crap from, I guess, outsiders, but I I don't know if he took as much heat inside the locker room. And and Durant was not great at various points in that playoff run. I mean, he was ultimately the difference – against the Cavs when he was
1: guarded look, by like jenny osman and jordan he Clarkson. was very very good in the playoffs come he, on no like, he, he was. carried them when steph was injured for the first couple of rounds and he was amazing lights out in the finals and he was really good at the end of the western conference finals there was basically three games where he didn't shoot well
0: well look i'm not making this an anti-kd thing i just think we need to be balanced in terms of the way we talk about him because like game one he was in his own zone. And I'm talking about game one of the finals. He, he missed that box out, that which should have lost the game. And the Rockets, he had a lot of iffy performances. And if Draymond were to look at him and say, any other player would be hearing from Steve Kerr about this, and for some reason we think all of this is just fine because it's KD and because he might leave this summer, some frustration would be un- understandable. And I don't blame management for siding with Durant because it certainly seems like that's what the suspension was. And I don't even blame Kerr for siding with Durant because look, Draymond is under contract and golden state is always going to be able to pay him more than he'd get on the open market. Or I guess we could talk about what Draymond's actually worth, but, but the the Warriors have some leverage there. The players and the way they feel about all this are going to be a lot more interesting. And, um, And I think like we're kind of seeing like it's a it's a pretty complicated story out there.
1: I have a question for you and taking into account the players collectively, like are they going to buy into this idea? Here's your choice. Kevin comes to you this summer. You're Bob Myers. You're Joe Lake. Kevin comes to you this summer. He says, I will sign a one plus one to come back for another year with the player option but my one condition is you have to trade Draymond uh, basically before I re-sign. So you can have me for guaranteed one year and the possibility of more, but you have to trade uh, Draymond and clear him out. Also understanding this is probably Iguodala's last year, right? So Iguodala is not going to be in the picture too. Um, If you're Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, Joe up, do you acquiesce to Durant's thing or do you basically just say, sorry, Katie, I'll let you walk?
0: Man, I mean, that's the million dollar question in part because if I were Durant, that's how I would handle this summer. I would say, oh, look, right. Well, <laughs> like, look, that's
1: why do you think I'm asking the question? Yeah,
0: Come on. Like, I'm not rich climbing, but if I were, that would be my advice. Um, and I think if you're golden state, you have to say yes, in part because there's so much angst about where Draymond is headed. And even watching him tonight against the rockets. And I know it's, early in the season, we don't have to read too much into anything that happens in November with this team. But uh he just his body looks worn down and there like there are plays he makes where it's just like, "Man, I I'm not sure you're a good basketball player anymore." And I certainly have no idea what you're going to look like 3 years from now. And um I love Draymond and I hate saying that, but like if I were running the Warriors, I would be pretty freaked out. And if there were a chance to just keep things rolling with KD and maybe have a happier KD and a, and a more stable locker room, I would take the one and one and, and take my chances.
1: Yeah, I feel very strongly about this. But just to preface it, you would say I'm in the top 1% of Draymond Green fans, right? In the yeah. entire world. I and think maybe we even... both
0: are. We're both yeah. pretty pro-warriors through and through.
1: Yeah, but like especially Draymond. I mean, I, I was hyping him up in the SI Top 100 and taking crap for years for overrating quote-unquote Draymond, and I it just made me smile and chuckle and laugh because the guy is incredible. I feel very strongly, if KD made that proposition, say basically, trade Draymond, I'll sign the one-on-one, yeah. I would do it. I would do it. And I wouldn't even think twice about it. I mean, if you look at this Jimmy Butler package, right? If you got a Covington and Sarich or something comparable for Draymond, right? Like in that ballpark. So now you've got locked up Steph, Katie, uh, Clay, you know, multiple starter quality pieces for Draymond and then even potentially, you know, bringing back cousins, but even if not, you've got the other young centers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather have that even with the uncertainty about Kevin's future than Draymond, but no Katie. And, you know, potentially paying Draymond down the road, because I think the only way that the the dynasty ends is if you get kind of screwed up on the salary cap stuff or if Draymond falls off a cliff, right? You avoid both of those by trading him. There's really no amount of money that will ever be an overpay for KD over the next five years. Even if you like super maxed him out, right? Like he's still gonna be worth it uh, for the duration of that contract. So I would just continue to ride with that. And then also just from a business standpoint, Kevin's a bigger star. You're going into that arena. Uh, I understand that Draymond is the heart and soul of, you know, Warriors fans. I'm right there with him. I mean, he I would start a team with him before almost anybody else, you know, if we had to win a title in, yeah. a, in a one-year exercise. But, you know, if you're trying to sell jerseys, if you're trying to, you know, draw a third star, if you're trying to compete for the Anthony Davises of the world, you know, if you're trying to keep this thing spinning for as long as possible uh, in your ownership, you want to be on Team KD, not Team Dre.
0: Yeah, I mean... I think that's certainly how ownership feels, and I'm not sure how I feel about it because I feel like they value Durant more than Curry, and that speaks to some naivete on Joe Lacob's part because I think that like he has never really experienced a version of NBA reality without Steph Curry making everything easy. And so he looks at KD as the guy who made them the
1: biggest team
0: on the planet, which is great. But like, oh, I love
1: it. Wait, are, are you digging at Lakeup saying you're basically just Robert Sarver with Steve Nash? You don't really know <laughs> how to do your job for real.
0: That's sort of what I'm implying, you know. And I and I don't blame him. I'm not saying that Joe Lakeup is stupid. It's just that he's come into this like dream situation where everything has fallen perfectly for him and his team. And he's got a once in a generation superstar. And so, like, there's only so much he can kind of intuit about the way the rest of the league works. And so, he, I'm sure, There's no question. There's no question.
1: I mean, look at the LeBron. Like, Dan Gilbert thought he was a great owner because of LeBron. Ty Lue won a title and then got fired after eight games or whatever it was because of LeBron. I mean, the, the franchise guys can lift everybody in their orbit. All the way up to ownership and it can really screw with your mind. It can make you think that you're the reason why, right? Like Lake can think he's the best owner. He can do the light years interview with the New York Times magazine. It just goes right on down the list. And uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for for what you're laying out here.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think that's what happened with Steph, whereas like the Lake group then successfully landed K D and now he's kind of their guy and their claim to international fame. Um which, again, I don't really blame them. Brian Windhorst this week called Kevin Durant the most powerful player in the league because of how much leverage he has over everyone with this decision next summer. Do you agree with that?
1: It feels like he's snubbing Chris Middleton, maybe.
0: <laughs> You're right. And Jamal <laughs> no. Crawford in Phoenix. No, I play.
1: Look, I, I mean, I think that the the power from the NBA landscape usually falls to who is the biggest free agent or attainable star available right LeBron's yeah. locked in so who's Steph's locked in Harden's locked in Westbrook's locked in I mean you go right down the list like the one guy who's actually a question mark uh, is KD and, and you could also argue Kawhi Leonard but you know Kawhi Leonard wants no part of that power right like <laughs> yeah I don't just, know if I'm he's, ready though <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, he, he's hiding wherever he is right and he's playing what I like I, I, I like to say you know three out of every five nights or something so I think it's pretty obvious by process of elimination uh, the answer is KD. Now you could flip it around and say if LeBron's successful recruiting KD, then he deserves to be viewed as the most powerful player because now he's the one who's sort of like the puppet master, you know, behind the scenes. But uh, no, I think you know by process of elimination is a pretty strong argument.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I want to believe in Kawhi just as an aside here, but. Um... You know, it does matter that he hasn't played in all these games, and and he can kind of come and go because this Raptors team is so good that they don't need an A plus Kawhi game every night. And uh, the other night, watching him dribble off his foot in crunch time against the Pistons was a rough look. Like, I think he's certainly top five, but top three is probably pushing it with Kawhi.
1: I'll just say this: if they're going to rest him in the Eastern Conference Finals, Milwaukee will. <laughs> Milwaukee will beat them, Andrew, okay? So just oh, make boy. sure he's playing all those games.
0: Yeah, the thing – the one caveat on, on KD's power is I do kind of feel like it's a little bit misleading because really the power is with Golden State generally. Like if Draymond were to demand a trade this season, the landscape would look just as different as it would if KD left. And uh, and the same is true with if, if Steph Curry – you know tears a hamstring in march that's just as earth-shattering a development don't even
1: don't say that come on (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to believe me Um, knock on some wood or jinx proof it or good lord what are you trying to do out here ruin all of our lives put us my only
0: point is that katie's leverage and and power over the sport is like directly correlated to his involvement in golden state's Dynasty. And I like, so I get what Windhorse is saying, but I also think, like, if Katie went to the Clippers this summer, I think his power would wane pretty quickly.
1: Can I just have a quick message to Draymond? Yes. It's time to apologize. Okay. Draymond, this is coming from somebody who really respects you, <laughs> who, as we've laid out earlier, is on team Draymond, someone who's been retweeted by your mother on multiple occasions. Thank you, uh, you know, Mary. But yeah, well, got, let me it's, add. it's time to apologize. It really is. And like you didn't really do it in your first press conference. It was nice to see you guys like help each other up off the court in the Houston game. Just apologize. <laughs> you will be much happier as a person. The organization will be a happier place. Everyone will be uh, breathe a big sigh of relief if you do it. It's the right thing to do. Even if you're completely correct, deep down, do it.
0: Yeah, yeah um... He I enjoyed his statement on Tuesday where he I think his only apology was to any writers who thought the Warriors were gonna start losing because of this, which Yeah, I
1: I apologize to my haters.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> which did not age well because the thirty point blowout like eight hours later But um, yeah, I I don't know how Dre should handle it at this point, because again, I think he's right. And and I think that KD is also right. And that's part of what is so interesting here. Have you ever seen the movie Crimson Tide? (laughs)
1: I haven't, but I've heard a lot of divorced people say I was right. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're alone at home, not happy.
0: Yeah. Well, basically, the, the Warriors are living the plot of Crimson Tide. That occurred to me as I was writing about this last night. Um, Would you give Draymond Max money? Let's say.
1: Slow down. What? What? What's Crimson Tide? Are you gonna explain (laughs) this plot, or he's just gonna randomly mention it?
0: No, I mean it's it's a movie that takes place on a nuclear submarine, and it stars Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman, and there's a dispute about whether they should launch their nuclear warheads uh, because like they lose transmission with their like American leaders I guess back on shore and so they're not sure whether Russia is engaging in nuclear war and so they have to kind of wrestle with the decision Denzel Washington does not want to go to nuclear war Gene Hackman who is definitely Draymond in this analogy says it's time to fire the missiles we got the order and so that's the two-hour movie it's a classic
1: so I actually have seen that very good comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Once you said Gene Hackman was drama, I, I put it all together. Good yeah, job.
0: there we are. So uh, that's, where, that's where things stand in Golden State at the moment, and we will keep it moving. But first, Ben, today's podcast is brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy, It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. Ben, tell me a little bit more about Robinhood.
1: I mean, you and I both signed up for it. So easy to sign up for. You just get right into it and you're ready to rock within a matter of minutes. I think what they really sets them apart, no commission fees, Andrew. Every time you're trying to make stock market trades, there's people who are trying to skim off the top, man. They're middlemen. Cut them out with Robinhood. They don't charge you for every trade there are no commission fees, you get to keep all of your profits. And like I mentioned, the app, it's super simple, easy setup, anybody can do it. Uh, You're ready to rock and search through their different categories, whether it's entertainment, social media, whatever floats your boat in terms of investment, Andrew, in terms of specific areas you're trying to make money, Robinhood gets you to that information very, very quickly with their seamless and very clean design.
0: Yes, sir. Download, check it out, diversify your portfolio. Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. All you need to do is sign up at floor.robinhood.com. That's floor.robinhood.com. Check it out.
1: Hey, Andrew, that's (laughs) floor.robinhood.com. Floor.robinhood.com.
0: Let's get back into it. Stray question here that has popped up in my Twitter mentions this week with people kind of pushing back on my assertion that Draymond is a Hall of Famer. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer right now?
1: Andrew, why are you just elevating these eggs, you know, these people who are just <laughs> trolling? It is. He's it's one, one of my least of favorite
0: things. And one of my least favorite things is me- in media is when people talk down to like the lowest 15% on Twitter and just sort of pat themselves on the back for being right. So I don't want to do that here. I do feel like there's at least room for debate, but maybe not between us.
1: If he retired today, okay, maybe it's a debate, but he's not going to retire today. He's going to play another two or three years. He's going to have multiple more all defensive teams. He's going to have more finals appearances. Uh, He's in. And I think he will most likely be a first ballot Hall of Famer.
0: Okay. Um, I support that 100%. I think that Draymond, his numbers, I mean, his numbers would pale in comparison to someone like Lamarcus Aldridge, even, but his impact on the sport has been kind of mind blowing. And uh, and that's why, to me, it's not even really a question. Um,
1: Aldridge will not make it.
0: Yes, and he shouldn't. (laughs) I would be very upset if you tried to argue that Lamarcus Aldridge
1: belongs in the Hall of Fame. He's, great. He's a great player, though. Um, uh, look, I'm saving my bullets for Jaren, okay? <laughs> there we go. Jer- Jaren, period. <laughs>
0: By the way, I had to think for 10 seconds there, who the Who, who the hell is he talking about <laughs> with Jaren? That's the problem with the nickname. Uh, so let me ask you, though, could Draymond work on another team? Because I think that's a question we're going to have to start thinking about harder over the next six months because it does look like we're headed for a split with either KD or Draymond. And maybe that maybe we're reading too much into it. But what do you think?
1: Look, I mean, if one of them goes and they don't go to the Lakers, I will be personally disappointed because it would make my <laughs> life so much better. But I also think that would be the best landing spot for either one of them. I mean, I think if you know, if you have this Warriors untouchable dynasty and guys like you are going to get so excited if KD leaves because it's like bringing the band back together and you you just love those like superhero movies where like, oh, it's the original guys. Here we go. Like we're going to take them down. Right. Yeah. But then sort of the evil empire is the Lakers with KD and LeBron. That would be sick. And then flip it around if, you know, Golden State does take the more rational approach, which I laid out earlier, which is keep KD even if it means on a short-term deal trade Draymond for whatever parts you can get like the Lakers have some parts either way like LeBron and Draymond or LeBron and KD going against the remaining group of the Warriors is the most watchable Western Conference Finals probably of my lifetime you know I'd have to like really dig into that but it would be way way up there Lakers Warriors so let's just see it and if, if they have to break up please send that piece to the Lakers that's all I'm saying
0: yeah. And I mean, the Lakers are one of the only landing spots that I can really see working or making even a little bit of sense because first of all, it would take, it would take the Lakers striking out on bigger names. Like Anthony Davis would have to go to Boston. Dame Wait, slow, down,
1: t- slow down on that. Cause did you see Jarrett Jack's tweet? No. He said basically like, you know, quote me on this in eight months, the Lakers are going to have LeBron, Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis
0: well 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 uh i would be into it i would be a hundred percent in and i think that we are all outsmarting ourselves we can shift who gives a shit where draymond ends up like as far as durant in la (laughs) a lot of people a lot of people have said you know why would he leave golden state and then go play with lebron he clearly wants his own team well first of all if he goes to the Knicks, like, I will be pretty worried about Durant. Like, maybe he's been co-opted by Rich Kleiman, and the Knicks have promised Kleiman some, like, favors. Wait,
1: did you did you say co-opted or kidnapped? What you say? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I don't know. I would be concerned, genuinely. And, uh, like, what did the internet do to this guy's brain? Um, and, look, the Knicks could have Zion Williams, and it could be the best outcome for KD. It's, it's up to him. He's... He's an adult. He can do what he wants. That's don't the beat around the bush. Obligatory LeBron, disclaimer.
1: LeBron, KD, and AD is the best big three in NBA history, right? I mean.
0: um, so I don't even know. The, the, the AD element is not what's important to be here. I just think we all need to agree that Kevin Durant teaming up with LeBron to go and try and beat Steph is by far the most entertaining outcome from all of this and it's like the dream scenario and also if katie like katie wouldn't need his own team first of all the lakers are going to miss the playoffs this year so they're going to need a savior to come through and katie can be that guy he would be immediately worshipped by everyone in los angeles and most importantly i think like if katie went and won two titles in la after one winning three straight in golden state like he would be just as untouchable as he would be if he went and won a title with the Knicks in three years, which, by the way, is not going to happen. Probably wouldn't happen with the Clippers. Like The Lakers are the only alternative to Golden State that really makes sense to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, talk about legacy. If KD wins another title this year, goes to the Lakers, wins a title there, and winds up with more all-time career points than LeBron, which is possible, so he retires yeah. with more rings... Uh, you know, potentially, uh, and uh, more points than LeBron. That's going to be a pretty interesting argument, you know, in terms of the long-term future. And so I I don't know why that would, uh, you know, dissuade him from going to the Lakers. I'd also say this. You know what's a fool's errand, Andrew? Having your own team. How is that working out (laughs) for anybody who has his own team right now? It's the the team-up era of the NBA, where if you don't have two stars, we're not even checking for you. And if your two stars aren't good enough – we're mocking you relentlessly like we do with the Oklahoma City Thunder and more recently uh, the Houston Rockets. You better not have your own team. If Katie goes to the Knicks, it would be depressing and it would be dumb because there wouldn't be enough talent around him. Yeah. Katie goes to another situation where they've already got one or two stars locked in and maybe he's just a little bit higher up on the totem pole in terms of the marketing and the touches and all of that than he is with the Warriors. That's the smart play. That's like, you know, the Uber Lakers, that's actually a mastermind, <laughs> brilliant plan with oh LeBron, my right? Oh,
0: God. The next chapter after the Hamptons 5, um, yeah, it all, all goes back to that goddamn Uber commercial where both of them pretended Steph Curry didn't exist.
1: Uh, well, look, I, and... I- Lots of props to LeBron for, for laying it on thick with the <laughs> yeah, living, the the living legend. To, I mean, he's, he's put in a lot of work here. He called KD a living legend recently. I mean, he is doing his job in this, and it's all about whether they can convince him you know, to to leave a team that won a title. And look, if Draymond's kind of pushing him out the door, it opens things up. That's, yeah. that's sort of where I'm at. But just to be crystal clear, I think KD should stay. I think in this power struggle, he can win it, and he's, He I could think,
0: absolutely win it. I mean, we saw he, this week that he could win it.
1: And he should try to win it. That's that's my take.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think the Lakers play is a is a better move for him and, and would probably be healthier just because he's clearly in a weird spot with all of this Warriors stuff and has been for a couple years now. And I don't blame him. I mean, we've been, not we, I've been pretty critical over the last couple years about the way some of this has played out and the way it's been messaged and Durant's disposition through the past two and a half years I just don't think has been the best look but I understand why he would be frustrated I mean he gets no credit he's given the Warriors the biggest margin for error in NBA history and when he wins it turns into this like never-ending wormhole of takes and it just is shitty it's like I would be frustrated if I were Kevin Durant
1: Look, I mean, you've got you have blood on your hands. Don't try to like describe. <laughs> don't try to describe the murder scene dispassionately. You're the one who kills this guy after everything, and says Steph deserves all the credit for it. I mean, yeah, I, I get it too. Well, but let's really let me let me ask you though. KD Lebron is KD the one guy where LeBron would actually treat him, you know, close to being a peer, you know, not this like oh kid talk for like Kyrie, where he yes. would respect Katie enough to let him basically do whatever he wants, and then. Do you think LeBron has realized here, you know, the aging process, how it's caught up to Melo, how it's caught up to Wade, how it seems to be maybe slowly catching up with Chris Paul, where he might actually be willing to take a little bit of step back and say, you know, open, open arms for your Kevin Durant. Okay. You can kind of be like the shared face of the Lakers and uh, you know, the, the championship jolt. I can see that being in LeBron's best interest and him actually being able to maybe change some of these behaviors that he's never been willing to change previously.
0: Yeah. And I think that is possible for a couple reasons. Number one, I do think that the next four months, whether the Lakers make the playoffs or not, we're going to see LeBron humbled to a degree that we just haven't seen in the last decade. And and it's not necessarily going to be his fault, but it is going to be sort of a reality check. Like, look, I'm going to need help if we're going to make this work in L.A. And so I think that will play into how he views whatever the next steps are. And number two, though, and just as important... Durant is a living legend. There are three living legends currently playing basketball right now. Number one is LeBron, number two is Steph Curry, and number three is Durant. And that's like the end of the conversation as far as guys who we're going to be talking about for the next 50 years. And so, of of course he would give Durant that kind of credit. And, um, And I think it could really be healthy. And to circle back to something you said like five minutes ago, the reason I like this move... Most is because it would be original, and I think one of the things with Durant that has been frustrating is he's just been sort of following LeBron's playbook. Uh, you know, even going to Golden State was essentially like following LeBron's blueprint and taking it to a, a, a more extreme level, but basically doing what Bron did, which was like, "Look, I want to go win a title. I'm going to team up with guys who can make that possible." that's completely fine. Uh, but if he went to the Clippers and and got his own team and and got his own version of the Lakers or he went to the Knicks and did that in New York, like it would just be kind of lame. And every to every step the last couple years has been a little bit lamer than it was when we saw LeBron do it. Whereas I think if he went to LA and teamed up with LeBron, that would be legitimately unprecedented and it would it would reframe the way we think of Kevin Durant as a superstar and and it would probably give us kind of a more accurate look at who he really is because I do think he's just wired a little differently than most of the the best players throughout history have been and uh and I think going to team up with LeBron the guy he's supposed to be sort of competing with would underscore that like Katie is just a different dude and that's how we should remember him and And if he could do that while also going to war with Steph and the Warriors, like it'd be fucking awesome.
1: Let me ask you, because you're this, you know, uh, uh, self-described, self-appointed arbiter of cool. Uh When you look, when you look at LeBron's move to the Lakers, you know, of course, I go back a year. I thought he should have gone to a team like the Rockets or the Spurs with more organizational structure to kind of set him up for maximum championships, right? Yeah. And I also viewed him as basically taking the big cash out this summer of going to the Lakers. I mean, obviously business interest was factoring into it, but now that it's here, even though they're basically exactly what I thought they would be, which is around 500, maybe slightly better, uh, you know, on track for what? Five, six, seven seed in the Western conference, you know, not really going to make the Western conference finals. Even someone from my position with all that background thinks that LeBron made a very cool decision Am I right? Is my am I is my cool meter calibrated correctly? <laughs> like is this Lakers situation for Braun actually cool? And I asked that because if you're Kevin watching it and you're realizing that this has actually gone pretty well for LeBron and if you go there, you're gonna take it to a different level. Does that wind up enticing you?
0: Yeah. Um I have a couple thoughts. Number one, I need to make it very clear that I am not cool and have not been cool for many years. (laughs) But I do have a a slightly better sense, I think, than you do on, on how some of this stuff will play. And I think it was smart in a basketball context as well because going to Houston and losing in Houston would have been really not cool. Whereas LA, he's got this kind of like, transition year where nobody was going to beat the Warriors anyway. And then he's going to come into this summer with at least the potential to do something great and league altering. And we'll see if he can pull it off. But like, that's the the final act for LeBron and it's going to start this summer. And, uh, and I think it was the only, potential to do something that would really matter. Um, and it dovetailed with him wanting to go out and like be a Hollywood producer and like media mogul. So there were, there are a lot of different wins on this one. Um, but yeah, I think that, that, that will resonate with Durant to a degree, but I also think he is going to be kind of marching to his own beat regardless when it comes to this decision this summer. And, uh, and so whatever happens with LeBron in LA this year, I don't know if that's gonna be like the determinative factor um, when you get to July with KD.
1: Okay, now a slight twist of the same question. Has it been cool enough for a guy like Anthony Davis to say I want in on that?
0: Yeah, that's the that's the real variable because I don't know. I really don't and and I think the Lakers and LeBron would make more sense for KD than it would for someone like Anthony Davis or someone who's five years younger than KD. I don't know if LeBron resonates at this point, and I've heard that he doesn't, and I think that's going to be a real wild card because, look, you're absolutely right. If you take Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant and slide LeBron in between them, like I don't know what the hell anybody's going to do.
1: That team is sick, Andrew. Well, <laughs> Come on. But, and can not please forget, see this? Josh
0: Hart in the backcourt. Like, they're going 82-0. But... Big four.
1: Big four. <laughs> exactly. They got Spee too. Don't forget about Spee
0: <laughs> Josh Hart and Spee filling things out. Um, that would be out of control. But the Anthony Davis element of this is a little bit more of a wild card to be because I also think, like, he doesn't have as much agency as Durant because he's literally not a free agent. And Boston's trade package is going to be able to blow away what the Lakers can offer. Or maybe not blow away, but I, I like if it's a bidding war, I'm pretty sure the Celtics win, right?
1: Uh, I mean, I guess in a vacuum, but you know how the NBA works, right? It's if you've got Magic Johnson and Rich Paul and LeBron and Kevin <laughs> Durant lined up and we're saying we're going to give you Brandon Ingram Lonzo and two first-round picks whatever I mean don't you think if you're Dell Demps you don't really have a choice like can't they make that decision for you you know what I mean yeah
0: well and that's part of what's so exciting and dramatic about this summer with LeBron is like his legacy and how we'll remember him is as this kind of like empire builder and he's done it twice before and he's he's kind of like seeing the chessboard on and off the court and um and doing it in ways that we've never really seen a superstar do before We're setting
1: the bar really high for him, though, Andrew. No shit. I mean, this is like Bobby Fischer-level chess. If if he doesn't get AD and KD at this point, we're going to be disappointed. That could be a problem.
0: Well, not only that, I think he has to. And, And I don't know if he has to get Anthony Davis, but he has to get one of Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant to have any shot of making this work in a meaningful way with the Lakers. And so there is, there's more pressure on him to come through than there ever has been. And, uh, I guess we all have to kind of wait and see how, how much juice clutch sports really has. Um, But yeah. Well said. uh, I mean, if
1: he's rolling around with Kentavious Caldwell Pope and Chris Middleton next year, (laughs) you and I are gonna look back on this episode and be like, man, back when we could dream.
0: Yeah. But you agree though that this week was a real thing, right? I mean to me I came into it, like, when the when the first tweets from Woj surfaced, and I believe it was Tuesday afternoon, and he said, you know, there was a shouting match in the Warriors locker room. It was one of the most heated episodes of the Golden State era. I kind of rolled my eyes in part because I have so much experience with the Wizards kind of, like, mumbling passive-aggressive insults at each other and drawing from that experience i've learned that sometimes like the team that actually is willing to talk and shout at each other is is a team that's in a healthier place so i was downplaying it initially but like clearly there's there seems to be some real fissures in golden state and i have no idea how this is actually going to play out over the next 6 months but like the drama now it's not kind of media hype
1: yeah i think in terms of affecting this year's championship race which is always the lens i look through i don't think it's that big of a deal because not only are they getting steph curry back they're also getting a little guy named demarcus cousins back who hasn't even played mm. a minute for them yeah so they're gonna they're gonna be just fine i think this year i still view them as the prohibitive favorites to win the title even if katie and, Dr- and draymond don't speak another word to each other i still think that they win this year's title but you already had some other reports out there you had some little like you know sneak comments from like Durant's brother and other various things you know over the last couple of months that was sort of you know building this narrative of like okay Katie's like in his last run here uh, you had some comments from Iguadal maybe implying that along the way too um this validated that storyline right in, in the most totally. clear in the most clear way that we've seen and so I do think it it matters. Uh, from the long-term perspective, for sure. But in terms of this year's title chase, I really don't think it's that big of a deal.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that's a good way to put it, is basically everything we wondered about with this Warriors team has been confirmed this week. That like The dynamics are every bit as screwed up as we feared they might be, and you're right that it probably won't matter. The Draymond piece of it is really interesting to me, though, because I think I mean, we'll have to wait and see what actually happens with this suspension, whether he'll appeal it, what happens on appeal. But like docking him 120 grand for for basically cursing out Kevin Durant is pretty extreme, and I think he was well within his rights to resent the way management has been treating Durant and the management and the coaching staff. Like if he's resentful, I don't totally blame him. And now this is, like, another level of, of that kind of favoritism, and, uh, and I also feel like he, f- he probably thinks that he's been playing on a discount for the last four or five years, and that's another source of resentment for him. And so I just wonder, like, how much rope they really have with Draymond before things snap.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Kerr and Myers have played things poorly in public that often over the last few years. But I I already criticized Kerr for sort of his handling of the exact situation while it happened. But I also think the day after press conferences where they go out there and don't say anything and and are just trying to say, oh, we're trying to keep this in house. Guys, you needed a better story than that. (laughs) You needed to have a more of a resolution. You know, you took 24 hours to meet the media. I thought both Kerr and Myers came off looking pretty weak and not in control of Uh, the organization. And look, they have pretty easy jobs, Andrew, you roll the ball out and (laughs) let Steph Curry do what he does, right? Like you're needed in these crisis moments to really step forward and show real leadership. And I think this was one of the rare occasions where they didn't really do what was expected of them. They needed to be stronger, more forceful, more confident, and pull these guys together. And And they failed. It's not a lasting failure forever necessarily they just did not handle the situation very well at all
0: yeah and it's also not an easy job because it's a really tricky balance to strike between having a team full of empowered superstars who again have kind of set this culture and made them great and then also knowing when that goes too far I mean it's it I it would be tough um but you're right that they screw i like i yeah. still have no but idea Look, if, if you're
1: gonna if you're gonna find draymond you have to tell everyone why you find them right totally. you have to have and a cover also, story and look you, you can can have to find let him draymond,
0: know. you can find draymond ten thousand dollars fifteen thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars. you can do that without docking him a hundred and twenty grand and you also don't necessarily have to issue a press release to tell the whole world about this to suddenly turn yep. it into a thing that's going to be hanging there for like four months with this team. I just don't really – like the the cost was not worth the benefit to me.
1: No question. And you look at the fact that he's appealing the fine or the suspension, right? So, again – Your job when you're pulling this together as the management is you have to get everybody back on the same page. Draymond has to buy into his punishment or at least buy in enough so that you can go to the media and tell a story about what happened. And they didn't even have a story to tell. They're like, "Uh, we don't know why we find them. We're going to keep it in house. Not good enough. Right. Conduct detrimental to the team is a very useful phrase, but you can only stretch that so far. <laughs> you need to be able to explain what was so heinous about this conduct, what was so detrimental about this specific conduct yeah. that warranted uh, this level of punishment. They, they did not answer those questions. That's a failure on them.
0: Well, you know what's funny is it's the type of thing and the type of decision that you could get away with in the NFL – Because in the NFL, like there's more fealty from the media and and the players have less leverage. And so everybody just kind of falls in line when someone is suspended for conduct detrimental to the team. But that shit happens in the NBA. And suddenly you've got like 20 elite reporters working their sources to hear like what happened behind the scenes. You've got every player feeling like they need to tell their side of things. And the whole thing just kind of mushrooms into something that you can't possibly control. And so that's why they definitely played this wrong. The other thing that I would add, you've talked about Kerr not calling the timeout at the top. And that's a good point. The other thing that's important to remember is that none of this happens if Steph Curry is healthy. Because first of all, they win that Clippers game by 20 in la and then also steph is kind of a stabilizing presence in general and we've been positive enough on steph i don't think we need to double back and talk about how great he was uh but like when we talk about guys setting the culture like that's we're basically talking about steph and we saw again against the rockets tonight what a mess this becomes when you remove him like both in a literal like the offense is a total mess
1: so let me get this straight. You think it might actually be more effective if Steph Curry is playing peacemaker <laughs> instead of Demarcus Cousins? Yeah. You think that might have a difference? Although, yeah, I, I think so.
0: Shout out to Clay Thompson though, and the the kicker in Marcus Thompson's piece, which we've now mentioned like five times on this podcast, was Clay playing peacemaker and saying, "Guys, we all want to win. We're all on the same page." And I love that. And it was a rare moment of fire and passion from Clay.
1: Well, I mean, to be honest, I'm not even sure if it was fire and passion or if it was just annoyance. I mean, the vibe in the locker room was like, come on, guys, for real, you know? And so (laughs) it wasn't really like, I'm serious, like, it wasn't that weird. It was just like, everybody's like, are we really doing this? You know, like, we're gonna have to go and, and deal with this now. And that was... The level of weirdness that I detected, so I wouldn't, you know, like look at Clay as like some, you know, fire and brimstone speech here. Yeah. or like, yeah, like him punching both of them simultaneously, like slapping them, in, you know, into in, to their senses. I think it was more just like guys chill like it's all good you know like, what? we're gonna be fine
0: that's a, a much more plausible uh version of events is clay is just sick of people yelling <laughs> and feels compelled like, to guys, speak I, up
1: <laughs> i'm trying to post photos of my dog on instagram will you keep it down <laughs> yeah,
0: cut the shit um, yeah too much cursing on this episode i apologize anyways uh yeah any final thoughts ben no
1: i think we we nailed this we have we got podium questions or what
0: um Let's do one podium question. And the actually, the one thing that I wanted to say, because we got a lot of emails talking about like how great this league is, how wild it is. And um, I think that's true. But I would caution conflating what's happening in Golden State with like the hashtag petty season category of NBA stories and like viral NBA beef. Because I think – some of that is present here. Like we've got Kevin Durant's brother hopping in the IG stories, calling out Draymond. <laughs> like so there's some of that. But I also think that looking at this story through that lens shortchanges everything that makes it so interesting because the characters involved in Golden State, the egos, the the like incredibly high stakes like whether it's Draymond, Durant, Joe Lacob, Steve Kerr, like there's just a lot in play here. And watching it unfold is kind of a reminder of why I love basketball so much. And I I think that's bigger than like trending topics on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I mean, what I loved about it was that it started from a basketball decision, right? I mean, this whole thing blew up because of like – Uh, a play in real time that was going to be second guess. And you can look at it in a bunch of different ways. It reminded me a lot of a a few years ago when, when Katie was getting screamed out by Draymond on the court, because he kind of took that heat check three pointer against the Grizzlies rather than sort of trusting the offense, running a pick and roll or whatever else. Um, the, this is great. You know, that that one shot from Kevin a few years ago gave us six months of material, right? Like this <laughs> a- absolutely is the definitive moment of Golden State season. Like from here going forward, they're either going to be able to figure out how to repair these, uh, uh, you know, th- these feelings and Steph's going to come back and they're going to get, you know, hit on all cylinders. This is going to be a turning point moment? Yeah. Or it's the beginning of the end. Either way, we all win. Yeah,
0: well, and stuff like this is why I love basketball because it's ultimately like, a a rich character study and all of these guys are kind of one of one characters and we're going to get to see where it leads. Um, So on that note, I have one email for you, Ben, actually two emails. First, dear Ben Goliver, just a heads up. You have more Twitter followers than Chris Middleton and even (laughs) you don't follow him on Twitter. So to me, I feel like this should be a cause for you to take a long look in the mirror. You've sunk a lot of equity into building Giannis's brand, but clearly whatever you're doing with Middleton isn't working well enough.
1: Well, look, that was from Avi. First of all, you were talking chess earlier, Andrew. That was like a one-move checkmate from Avi. I mean, that he <laughs> like he, he got me. But I think I'm gonna wiggle out of it, Andrew, because guess what? Chris Middleton is an Instagram guy. Okay. He's got his big following on Instagram. Yeah. He's got more followers there. And I also want to say though, I have now joined the Chris Middleton uh, army on Twitter. I have followed him officially. Uh, (laughs) I, I encourage you to do the same. Follow him on both Instagram and Twitter while you're there. Follow me at Ben Gulliver on Twitter at Ben. Gulliver on Instagram. Um, Middleton's got a chance to be an all-star this year that might help him with a little boost you know if I was him I would do a bunch of podcasts during all-star weekend if he gets selected yeah I would pl- I would go in the three-point shootout you know I might try to sneak into the rookie challenge Look, like Chris whatever Middleton. whatever he could do to, to boost his visibility
0: <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard Chris Middleton speak but he has a standing invitation to appear on the open floor podcast at all-star in Charlotte so I'm with it. Um, yeah, but I think you need to start shouting him out on Instagram more. Like, I get a lot of shout outs from you, but like, start bigging up, bigging up your guy, Chris. I think that, that's a good goal for 2019.
1: That is a, a great goal, but uh, I always feel weird tagging athletes. It doesn't seem very <laughs> professional. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a <laughs> it breach. It's <seems> a little <laughs> desperate, but you know, whatever.
0: Um, lean into it. And then finally, Luke says, hey, guys. Last Thursday, I watched an amazing Bucks win over the defending champs on TNT. Mm. I was mm-hmm. in a haze of beautiful ball movement, awe-inspiring moments from Giannis, and even some Thon Maker victory cigar dunks. I Ooh. return to my home, which is in Columbus, Ohio, with no forest nearby. That's an important detail here. I take my dog outside to stretch his legs And I kid you not that we are greeted by a giant buck in my front yard, in a city. My dog, after being incredibly confused for a moment, barked once and scared it away. But my question is this, was this elegant creature a sign that the Bucks are the next world champions, the new world order of the NBA? I've previously thought that they are one piece short of truly contending But now I have no idea. What do you guys think? And Ben, I read that email because for whatever reason, Buck's evangelism has become our brand. And so I think that after 75 minutes on the Warriors, it's appropriate to end with uh Buck's I guess mysticism. I don't really know.
1: But sure. Yeah, it was a it, it was a beautiful email. I mean I just first <laughs> though Andrew, don't you think we should send our thoughts and prayers to Luke? I mean, you know, our deepest apologies and regrets that you live in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, oh that's boy. Really, Go blue. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's a really tough, tough place to live. And you know, I'm glad that you were able to get some nature in your life. I I believe it, Andrew. I mean, have you ever had a mystical encounter with an animal? That's kind of a weird question, but <laughs> <laughs> c- can you relate to what Luke's describing? Um, the only time that's ever happened to me,
0: I went to college in Boston and I had like a 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. doctor's appointment one morning and um, driving to the like Longwood area of Boston where all the hospitals are. I was, it was like very early in the morning and I looked out my passenger window and there were like four turkeys kind of flanking my car as I was driving awesome. down this empty street in Boston. And so I'm still not sure whether that was real or a hallucination on my part, but uh, that's, that's the, the closest I've come to Luke's buck encounter.
1: I'll say this. I think that i'm pretty good in the clutch in general just like in life like i i trust myself i'd rather be driving than in the passenger seat so on and so forth yep when i have ran random animal encounters though i freeze up badly like it could (laughs) be it could be a, a deer it could be a snake you know even like a garden snake it could be a horse or a dog um the list of animals that will like freak me out into freezing in just sort of like random encounters a coyote one time I was in a car driving I saw a coyote and I stopped the car like just flat out in the road because I was like I don't know what to do I don't want him to anger me one time a moose kind of like turned its head with its antlers in Maine and looked at me and I was just completely convinced it was going to be just a stampede like he's just going to run at me and I was going to die yeah so we'll see this um, is
0: what you're like it's, this is a problem for you because your lifestyle brings you into contact with all kinds it's, of wildlife.
1: <laughs> it's a regular issue, okay? Early it's a regular on, problem.
0: Actually, this reminds me like two and a half years ago when we had first started podcasting, there was one, one summer podcast where you were podcasting from Utah and you had been trapped for like hours with a mountain lion before going on. Do you remember any of that?
1: I'm not sure it was a mountain lion. I think that was actually one of our listeners, but there was a a moment in Utah where I was stuck away from my car because of a deer for more than an (laughs) hour. And I was like, not where I was supposed to have been. I was trying to get the best pictures for the gram and so forth. And yeah, no, this is a recurring problem for me. There's no question about it.
0: Well, that's, that's how I felt with my family of turkeys in Longwood, which again, I still have, have you ever seen a wild turkey in person?
1: Of course. What kind of a what kind of a disrespectful question is that, Andrew? I've seen turkeys in multiple states.
0: Well, I grew up in cities and I had it. And they are strange looking creatures. But um, anyways, shout out to the turkeys and go bucks. Well
1: can we get a verdict though on Luke? I mean is do you think this is it? I mean is this the sign? Is this the sign of the apocalypse or like the rise of our our new messiah?
0: Um I worry I don't want to jinx him with uh, jinx him, jinx Giannis, jinx the Bucks with any real expectations. The last mystical type email we read on this podcast was a long um reference to like a prophecy about Luka Doncic being drafted by the Sacramento Kings that obviously did not work out well. So let's just wait and see, but rest assured I'm going to be thinking about this email during every Bucks game. I watch for the next six months,
1: rest assured. It's going to be great to run this email back during game three of the finals when we're all headed to (laughs) Milwaukee. I can't wait. Hey, Luke, Incredible question. Avi, great checkmate on me. We got so many incredible questions this week, Andrew, from the Open Floor Globe. I love when they respond to breaking news, like you mentioned, and they just hammer the inbox with questions. We probably got 200 in like 48 hours this week. It was so cool. Guys, if you want to join in on the fun, email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. And don't forget, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Search for Open Floor. Find our page. Scroll down. It will say rate and review. Tap five stars, give us some sweet nothings. We really, really appreciate it. Andrew, don't forget, we're also on the worldfamousradio.com. radio.com. And until next week, I will talk to you.
0: Alright, man, take it easy. Another great edition of Open Floor is in the books. Did you know Locked On has a daily podcast for all 30 NBA teams? If you're a Lakers fan, search Locked On Lakers. A Celtics fan, search Locked On Celtics. Warriors fans, search Locked On Warriors. Yes, all 30 NBA teams have a daily bite-sized podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Search on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team. Or tell your smart speaker to play podcasts, Locked On, your favorite team. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.